Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of Dinner and a Show. I am your host, uh, Tom Bland. Uh, this week, I am going to be flying solo, as scheduling is a nightmare around work. <laughs> uh, but I'm back with another fun episode for you guys. Uh this week, we're going to be uh, talking about the film Godzilla Destroy All Monsters, and the restaurant I chose is uh, Kodo Japanese Steakhouse. Uh, unintentionally, I did both a Japanese food and a Japanese film, uh, but I think it was it was a pretty good time. So, as always, we will start here with the food. Um, Kodo is a restaurant that you can uh, find in Syracuse, New York's uh, Destiny USA Mall. It's right up in the food court. There are two ways you can eat there. There is the actual steakhouse itself. You can go in the restaurant. And then there is the Kodo Express, uh, which is where I usually eat. Uh, the Kodo restaurant itself inside is it's gorgeous. It's a beautiful ambiance. It's very uh, uh, dark in there, but with like a lot of uh, bright neon uh, red or blue lights. Um, the seating is, is uh, very nice. Uh, looks, I wouldn't know if they're hand carved, but the, they're, the gorgeous seats... Uh, the tables look very nice. The servers are very friendly. Uh, fair bit of warning, though, it is a bit on the pricey side um, because it's, you know, hibachi, and that's all made for you at the table if you get that, uh, which is why I usually tend to eat at the Express. Um, because the Express is, you can get a hibachi chicken, which is what I usually go to there for, I think it's 702 So that's pretty price-friendly, uh, pretty uh, price friendly, and they give you a decent portion of food with everything. Uh, you can either get fried or white rice. They do shrimp, beef. Uh, you can get a combo meal, uh, and it's it's usually pretty packed there, though, because it's it's so delicious. Um, uh, and if you're ever in Syracuse, New York, or Destiny, definitely give Koto a look because it's very good food. Uh, if you you know have to be a little bit more budget friendly, they always have the express option, which I think is great. Um, all right, so let's get on to. The film, which is Godzilla Destroy All Monsters. Uh, Godzilla Destroy All Monsters was, I think it's the ninth Godzilla film, if I'm correct, and it was made in 1968. Um, it was directed by Ishiro Honda, and I think he did a couple of the Godzilla movies. Hold on, let me pull up the Google machine. He did Mothra vs. Godzilla. Oh, he introduced Ghidorah which I'll get talked about later. Oh, you had a King Kong movie. That's interesting. Okay. I'm going to have to go watch that one. I need to tear Mechagodzilla. It's the last Godzilla movie he did, uh, which was in 75. Uh, it was... Now, this is funny because uh, I have seen previous to this movie the 2004 Godzilla Final Wars, which shares a lot in common with this movie. Um, I, I think it's weird that I watch these chronologically backwards, Chronologically, yes, I can speak. Because <laughs> um, Godzilla Wars, or Godzilla Final Wars is 2004, and this was 1968. And they do share a lot of similarities. They are different enough that I don't feel like Final Wars was a straight-up, almost, remake of Destroy All Monsters. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that. So the film begins with a ridiculous miniature set. And I mean, like, you know, the, the, <laughs> the silly... Like, this is obviously miniatures. You get the little fake helicopter flying. You can practically see the strings on everything. The little cars moving on their tracks. It's uh, it's just all kinds of kitschy 60s nonsense, which I am here for all the time. 
uh, they get we get this voiceover about how uh, Godzilla and a lot of the other monsters from the world, I think maybe even all of them, have moved on to. They call it um, Monster Island is what it winds up being called. I forget what they called it in the movie. I watched it last night in my, my frame. Anyway, we'll just call it Monster Island for the purposes of this episode. Uh, how they're all on Monster Island, we get a brief introduction to, you know, Godzilla and Rodan and Mothra, and it's it's still larval stage, uh, baby Godzilla, uh, Angulus, and, you know, a couple others whose name escapes me. There is one monster whose name I just cannot remember, which looks very similar to Godzilla. It's like another T-Rexy kind of looking thing, and it even has a single row of, of back spikes on it. It's. I wonder if it's like maybe a proto Godzilla design or something, but it looks pretty similar to Godzilla, which is I thought was kind of interesting. Uh, so we get this uh, introduction to the monsters in Monster Island, and we learn that there's a control center on the island that they monitor the island um, and make sure the monsters all stay in their their habitats, basically. And they use these weird, like I guess pheromone gas things, and like in Rodan's case, because he can fly like a magnetic field that keeps them on the island. And it's kind of like a zoo almost for the monsters, but they don't let the public in. Um, so they introduce us to two new, uh, a new employee at the control center, uh, Kyoko. And she's kind of getting like the grand tour and spiel from the, the doctor there. And all of a sudden they notice that, or well, Kyoko notices that there is like yellow gas coming underneath one of the doors and the doctor's immediate reaction is to run over to the door, fling it open, and just let the gas just pour into the room and get everybody. It's like, I, it seems like a very ill-advised move. Uh, so the gas, yeah, the gas hits everybody. Everybody passes out. Um, there is a power surge which hits everything, and the you know the island loses power, so all the stuff holding the monsters in um, is gone. Sorry, still waking up. And it's just like chaos. And we see at in Japan, uh, like the, the mainland, that they have lost contact with the island. And when they finally do reestablish contact from like a satellite um, that they have on their moon base, which the moon base will play a big part later, um, it is. Uh, so the monsters are gone, the island looks devastated, you can see, like, remnants of the gas still, and they have no idea what happened. Uh, so on the moon base, it's just mentioned that, I think that it's the UN, or the United Nations of something or other, are exploring the moon for reasons? I don't think they ever really get into that. Uh, but they, <laughs> there are these ridiculous yellow spacesuits that are, like, skin-tight almost, and they have, like, rubber rubbery looking gloves and these ridiculous helmets and it's more 60s costume nonsense which I can't stop watching because it's so good um, and they call back these guys from the moon base because they want them to explore um, the monster island and let them know what happened so they get in their ship um, and they fly back to earth and they do a lot of you know, going back and forth in this ship from, like, Earth to the moon and, and all, all over the place. The fuel costs must have been astronomical on this. <laughs> so the ship the ship gets to Earth and, like, goes into the volcano of Monster Island. Like, it doesn't just land on the island. It, it goes vertical 
and goes down into the island and sits there. And what? How does a spaceship do that? Like, how? I don't know. It, 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 it's insane. Uh, so they get out of the ship. They're still all wearing their insane yellow spacesuits. Um, they got some crazy sci-fi looking fake pistols and like plasma rifles or whatever they're supposed to be. And they go exploring this island base and it's, you know, it's in shambles, it's destroyed. Um, but they see one doorway that looks like it hasn't been, um, blown up yet. So they, they get to it and inside they find Kyoko and one of the, I think it's the head doctor of the place and they seem fine. And they're, they're, you know, they're shocked that among all this destruction and devastation that they're fine. But Kyoko and the doctor say, you know, follow us. We've, we've got something to show you. Uh, so they, they go a little farther back into the base and all of a sudden this woman in this crazy sequin bedazzled thing with a full on hood shows up and tells them that, uh, she is an alien from the planet Kilot and they have here visiting earth. And one of the guys from the space crew says an alien. Yeah, right. Like you live in a world in which giant, however many stories tall monsters exist. You have a spaceship that can fly to the moon and back easily. Uh, I'm pretty sure Ghidorah is a thing in this at this point. Um, and he is a monster from space. So he is an alien. But this guy finds the idea that there is an alien here standing in front of him. Hard to believe. All right, buddy. Whatever you say. Um, so this, this woman from Keylot says that they're here on Earth to build a scientific community, um, which is odd considering what's going to happen in like a minute. Um, and that all they want is to be left alone and they can, you know, have, uh, peace and, and whatever with the Keylot aliens, as long as they just don't get in their way. Um, Godzilla... Anger, Angelus, Rodan, and Mothra begin attacking cities under the aliens' control to prove that the aliens, you know, could destroy basically the whole planet if they wanted to, and that you should just all bow down to their demands and give them what they want. Uh, we get some fun shots of, like, uh, Angelus and Mothra, like, kind of just plowing through buildings, and Rodan flying over stuff and blowing... I, I do love that Rodan... His, like, method of destruction is he's, he flies, you know, so fast that, like, the shock waves from all his stuff, like, just rips buildings apart. That was fun. I do like that they kind of carried that over into um, his appearance in the 2019 Godzilla film, King of All Monsters, the, the American one, where he pops out of the volcano and flies over the city. And it's just, like, he's so massive and going so fast that it's just, like flattens the city in seconds because of that to the shockwave and i love that um my favorite one though was when you see a subway or they, they call it a subway it's like a little train goes into a tunnel in a mountain and it's the city where mothra is and i'm like oh man please let mothra like erupt out of that subway tunnel and sure enough that's what happens the mountain like explodes mothra comes creeping along the track blowing stuff up and uh, and that's that's a lot of the the fun of these '60s Godzilla movies, '60s, '70s, and you know uh, even early '80s, is that they're just pure fun when the monsters are destroying stuff. Like the 2014 and the 2019 Godzilla 
I liked both of them. The 2019 one I liked a little more. Um, but some of the fun was kind of gone from them because they were very serious in tone and the destruction was a lot more... Uh, it was like brutal looking instead of just like this fun romp through a, a miniature set. Or can you imagine if some someone came up to you and put you in a Godzilla suit and was like, all right, just go nuts and stomp around and break crap and have fun with this. And I think that's one thing that we're kind of missing from the, the Godzilla franchise now that I'd love to see come back. Um, so the the sci um, scientists, the space guys who come from the moon uh, are like, this is, you know, we're not going to take this. And they get into like a little mini shootout with uh, the, basically the mind-controlled uh, members of the, the original control center. They capture the head scientist guy. Kyoko runs back into the, the you know, the smoke and escapes. Um, and they bring him back to, I guess, the UN building or whatever for interrogation. And they're kind of, you know, before the meeting, giving him the once over, like, you know, you'll never get away with this. And we'll figure out a way to stop you. And uh, he stands up and kind of walks off to a different area of the hotel room. And the two guys who are, are with him, the main spaceship captain, and another head scientist, like, like talking like, oh, what are we going to do? Completely ignoring this guy as he wanders around the hotel room. He opens the window for the room, and they're pretty high up there in this building. And he just jumps out to his death on the beach, like, however many stories down. And they're like, <laughs> they scream like, ah, oh, how could this have happened? Well, maybe if you kept a better guard on the prisoner. So they go down to retrieve his body, and... Uh, they get ambushed by Kyoko and some more of the mind-controlled employees from the original control center. Uh, the special police uh, show up and get into a shootout with the, the mind-controlled guys. And it's hilarious because we've got, like, you know, the mind-controlled people using these weird ray guns. And then we've got the special police guys just using 45s. And it's just kind of fun to watch the shootout go down between, you know, guys with regular guns and then these weird, wacky space guns. Um, whenever someone gets shot, be it by a regular gun or space gun, the, the death scene is hilarious. Like, there's one guy who gets shot in the head at one point, and the look on his face is like, he's holding his breath, like his face balloons out, and he, like, falls over dead. It's like, okay, that was an interesting way to do that. Um, so... The, they tr the mind control people are trying to get the body of the guy who jumped out of the window and killed himself back. Uh, but the special police overrun them too quickly. Kyoko says, all right, let's get out of here. They all run off. Uh, we see one of them, as he's trying to escape, he pulls out a scalpel and seems like he's going to try to cut a piece of the doctor guy off. And I was like, what the hell is this about? Uh, but, you know, he, he has to take off because the, the cops are right behind him. Um, so they take the body back to uh, have it autopsied. And they point the coroner guy to the area that the um, mind control guy was going to try to cut with a scalpel, which is uh, right underneath the right ear, kind of. And they cut it open, and there's, there's this weird mark. And inside is this little steel dot. And they take it to have it examined. And the guy who's examining it says, uh, or no, before they take it to the guy, the, the coroner asks, you know, was he hard of hearing? And they go, no. He goes, well, then it's definitely not a hearing aid. <laughs> Must be some kind of, uh, you know, something else. Like, I wasn't aware that hearing aids back in the 60s were implanted in ears surgically. 
um, or near hears surgically. So I, I think hearing aid would have been off the list anyway, but I don't know. Uh, so they have examined by this other guy, and he, he says, well, it might be metal, but it's definitely some kind of transmitter. Okay. Oddly, again, that you think it could be some kind of metal, but it's definitely 100% a transmitter. You know that alien tech very well. <laughs> um, uh, what else we get here? Oh, so after this, um, the, uh, the UN puts out this bulletin about all these guys who have been mind controlled and to keep an eye out for them because they're dangerous and shouldn't be trusted. And we see Kyoko. Ooh, sorry guys. I don't know why I'm so tired. We see Kyoko going through, uh, some part of Japan. I don't think we ever really know where it is. And, uh, she's on the train and her image comes up and the guy kind of looks at her like, Oh, maybe that's her. Maybe it's not. And as she gets off the train, we see like cops are checking everybody underneath the, the ears where the, the guy had that surgical scar and Kyoko goes over and we see that she doesn't have the scar and they're like, check her and I'm like, Oh, okay. You kind of look like her, but you don't have the weird scar. So you can't be Kyoko. And she goes on and I think I'm pretty sure. No, I think this is Tokyo. Now that I think about it. Um, and so as she's walking, people start screaming and running and we get this ridiculous green screen of the city as people just run and scream by and over and over and over again. I think it might even be a couple shots of like the same people running the same way and everything. It's hilarious. And it's very obviously early days of green screen and stuff. And it's just, it's just hilarious. And bad. Um, Kyoko is walking the opposite direction of everybody running away. And we see it's because the monsters are attacking the city because, you know, the Keelot people are tired of all this screwing around and just they send it to just level the city. And I got to say, like, this is interesting because, you know, we frequently in Godzilla movies see uh, either Tokyo or whatever city they happen to be in get destroyed. But in this one, it was like it was leveled, like decimated, like. The, they they try to use tanks and stuff and whatever to fight the monsters and it's just not even having an effect and it's just you know Godzilla and I think maybe Angelus is with him at this point question mark uh, just just walk through the city and leave it a, a smoldering heap ruins and post the attack we get a little zoom in in the middle of the rubble onto a sign that says like defense base headquarters or something. And we see that it's, you know, the, the remnants of the army and the space guys and all these people trying to come up with a plan. And Kyoko just walks into the building. Like, I get that it's destroyed and rubble and they've got a lot of problems going on, but nobody was watching guard or anything. Like, okay, whatever. So she waltzes in and basically says, you know, like, have you guys had enough? You know, we've proven that uh, the Keelot people are forced to be reckoned with. They just want to be left alone, yada, yada. And the headspace guy, who I don't, they don't really ever say if they're dating. They kind of imply that they are. I'm sure that's something that just got lost in the dub. Um, uh, he like grabs her by the shoulders, and this is just like a '60s movie to a T. He like starts shaking her around, like Kyoko, Kyoko, snap out of it! Ah, he's shaking her, and then he he looks at her earrings, and like he he kind of puts two and two together that ah, since they don't have the weird neck thick in you, it's got to be your earrings. And he just straight up rips them out of her ear violently. And like fake blood 
all over the place in his hand. And she wakes up from, you know, being mind controlled. And they're like, you know, what do you remember? And she's like, uh, they took us somewhere. I don't really remember. And then she notices that she is just leaking blood like a sieve. And understandably screams and is upset by the fact that she is now leaking blood like a sieve because nobody thought to take those earrings out of her in a more gentle fashion. <laughs> Looking at you, space dude. Um, but they realize that um, there's got to be some kind of transmitter that is controlling the monsters as well. So they begin looking around for them, and they find a couple of them and uh, around the world in like the cities the monsters attacked. In, in I think it's Prague, Paris, New York, uh, Beijing. Uh, so it's it's they find and they look like it's weird because they look like some of them are in coconuts and some of them are in rocks and I don't know they have weird radar technology that they they use to find them, and they determine that they must have a base on the moon somewhere, somehow. I forget. Um, and so they send the space guys back into the space rocket, so more yellow spacesuits, all here for it. Uh, they go to the moon, and they ha have, like, this weird map uh, that they're using, and at one point they say, like, we'll go north of this crater here, and I'll go west past the swamp, and I, I was like, what? Swamp? You're on the moon. What? Where, what? How is a swamp on the moon? <laughs> Again, I wonder if it's some weird thing from the just like dubbing it, or if I don't know. Either way, that definitely got my attention that there was allegedly a swamp on the moon. Um. Again, we get another shot of they find the place where the, the transmissions are coming from, and the spaceship again goes like vertical and into the under the moon's surface. Still don't know why a spaceship could do that. But whatever. Uh, they get down into the crater, and all of a sudden, like, flames start coming out of the walls, and we see that the, the Keylot aliens and the, uh, you know, the mind-controlled people are all watching from this view screen, like, ha ha ha, we got them, finally. Um, and they come out of the ship in this, like, space car tank thing, and they run into the force field and or a force field around the base and they like use their tank ray gun things to blow it up, which, you know, decimates the inside of the base. And they go in and they find that the Keylot people, when exposed to extreme colds, become these like rock like egg things kind of. And we see like a tentacle recede into each of the of the three rocks that we see. And they split up to kind of explore and two of the guys that split off find the transmitter thing in the moon and the captain runs away from the guy he found the egg rock things with to go find or to go see what they found. And I thought for sure we were going to get a thing of like this egg thing, like latching onto this guy and then like maybe somehow like putting a key alien in him or like him under their influence or something. But no, we didn't get that, which was kind of a bummer. Uh, so they, they realize that this thing is the control mechanism for um, uh, the monsters on Earth. So they try to like saw it off. It doesn't work. So they take their little handsaw thing and they saw off one of like the ray guns from their tank. And they jerry-rig a, a power source to it and then they burn it off, which I thought was kind of fun. 
Um, but then they like, we got to hurry because now that the, this, the base here has been destroyed, the keylots on Earth will be aware and they'll send the monsters after, you know, Tokyo to stop us from doing this. Uh, sure enough, they, the keylot aliens do realize that their moon base has been compromised and send Godzilla and all the other monsters after Tokyo. Uh, we get like a field reporter team who are covering the monster attack on Tokyo, which just seemed weird. Like, you sent a whole news crew out there. I mean, I get it. It's very newsworthy, but it just seems a bit odd. And it's, like, the 60s, so it's, like, not anybody with, like, over-the-shoulder cams or anything. They have, like, these the giant on, like, tripod cameras that have to be out. And they're just in the middle of the field as the army guys all get ready to, in case the transmitter thing doesn't work, to make a final stand against uh, the monsters. And so... The monsters all show up, they turn the transmitter beam thing on, and it luckily works and brings the monsters under the control of uh, the UN forces, even though it's primarily just Japan at this point, uh, instead of the Keelot aliens. And they're going to send them after the Keelot base to get rid of them once and for all and, you know, get things back to normal. Uh, however, before they can get things back to normal, the Keelots contact them and say, you know what? Well, you think you're doing pretty good, but we're still going to get you anyway. And then they, they summon Ghidorah somehow. I don't know if like he's from the same planet that they're from, or just because he's from space that they ran into him on the way to Earth or something. I, I don't know. Um, but Ghidorah shows up, literally like just teleports out of a portal somewhere. And everyone's like, oh my god, Ghidorah, the space monster, like how are, this is you know the direst hour of the world. I'm thinking to myself, like, you guys have at least, like, seven or eight monsters over there that can fight this thing. Like, maybe he'll get through two or three of them before somebody finally gets him. And that's kind of how it starts. Like, he goes after um, uh, Angulus first. He, like, picks him up and, like, slams him on the ground. He, like, drops him from, like, however many thousands of feet. And Angulus slams into the ground, costs, like, a massive crater to open up. And we see the Keelot base is there because a part of the mountain that the hiding under falls off. And it's like a weird plastic, or not, it looks like plastic, but it's, I guess it's supposed to be like a force field bubble. And we can see them in there. And then, you know, Ghidorah's flying around and like kind of smacking some people around. He goes after Angulus some more. And then, you know, Godzilla gets into the fray and they're, they're fighting and smacking around and Godzilla's doing his atomic breath and they're going and going. And, uh, uh, which, you know, nobody else was really jumping in to help Godzilla at this point, but they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, but eventually, uh, once Ghidorah starts to not kind of get the upper hand, but like even things out with Godzilla, the weird monster that looks a lot like Godzilla, but isn't Godzilla, goes up and jumps him. Uh, and uh, so does Rodan. Rodan gets in there, like starts flapping the wings to create gusts or whatever, keep get her off balance. And the whole time, baby Godzilla, uh, Godzuki, as he is sometimes known, uh, is, like, just jumping around in the background, like, yeah, get him, get him! And this is when it turns from being, like, kind of like this this pitch battle for this, you know, the safety of Earth, into, like, a gangland-style beatdown, because, you know, get her, like I said, there's, like, seven monsters this thing has to fight, and they all just gang up on him, and they, they get, get her flat on his stomach on the ground, and, you know, Angulus bites one of his necks and is holding him down. The weird Godzilla thing is kind of, like, hopping around on him. And Godzilla's just, like, repeatedly curb-stomping one of the three heads in. Like, just bam, 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 over and over and over and over. And it's like, oh, um, 
Okay, guys, you probably won. You can stop now. <laughs> like, I'm starting to feel bad for Gitter right here, because Gitter is just getting just assaulted. Like, just beat down with no hope of ever making a comeback. And Godzuki's still in the background, just jumping around like, yeah, take that! And Godzuki even at one point does his, like, weird atomic ring breath thing that hits the center head and, like, I guess knocks the center head of Gitter out. And so, so Gitter is just done. It's it's dead. I, I, I would assume it's dead anyway. It doesn't move after this. Um, Mothra and the weird spider monster whose name escapes me, uh, like, spray it with a bunch of web to hold it down afterwards. Um, and the, the rest of the, the, the UN people are like, all right, they beat Ghidorah. Like, this is great. But then this weird fire bird thing comes out of nowhere from space. Uh, and, oh no, I'm sorry. Before the fire bird weird thing shows up, um, the, the people are wondering like, okay, well, the transmitter kind of got fried in the fight, you know, from overloading. Are the monsters like going to go back to rampaging or whatever? But nope, uh, Godzilla turns to the Keelot base and he hits it with his fire breath a couple times, breaks the force field and like kicks it in and yada yada. And one of the guys, I think it's the head space force guy, says um, they instinctively knew who their real enemy was. And it's like, I guess. I mean, we never really get to a fair sense of how smart Godzilla is. Sometimes he's just a big primal lizard thing, and other times he actually is fairly intelligent and even has, like, legitimate, like, martial arts combo fighting moves. So I guess this is one of his more intelligent films. Um, and now is that weird firebird thing shows up, and they, they call it the Fire Dragon. And it, like, flies by Rodan and burns his wings. Godzilla tries to knock it out of the sky with his fire breath a couple times, but it's going too fast. So head Space Force guy is like, ah, don't worry, I'll get in, you know, our spaceship and shoot it down. And this is actually a fun scene. So him and the other Space Force guys get in their yellow spacesuits, which, again, still love them. And they get in their spaceship, and they start chasing this thing down, and they're going to use, like, I think they call them, like, cooling missiles or whatever. And we get this ridiculous wire, you know, dogfight then you could definitely see the wires in this one. And not, like, egregiously, but you can tell they're there for the dogfight. Um, and uh, the thing, like, lands on their spaceship and is, like, overheating them. They're like, ah, they gotta try to do all these, all these crazy maneuvers, which one of which was actually fairly impressive considering this thing wasn't wires. Um, and they get it off them and they fire a couple more missiles and they hit it. And then you see it's not actually a fire dragon thing. It's a spaceship from Keelot, like a weird flying saucer thing. It crashes into the ground and explodes. And now they've finally done it. Um, and afterwards we see that, uh, oh, there's like a weird earthquake after the spaceship hits and Ghidorah's body sinks into the earth. I'm assuming so they could have a, uh, a backdoor clause of how Ghidorah could show up later. Because, like, they could say somebody found the body and, and you know, because we never recovered it. Uh, so Ghidorah sinks into the Earth. All the other monsters are safe. Uh, we see the monsters return home to Monster Island. Everybody kind of gets, like, a little quick snapshot. Um, there was a couple monsters that they passed over this time that weren't in the initial introduction. I'm assuming they just didn't use them because they didn't uh, either have time or just didn't want that many monsters on screen at once. Which I can understand. The things would have just gotten jumbled. Um... And that's kind of it. That is Destroy All Monsters. Um, I had fun with it. Uh, I'm always down for a good Godzilla movie. You know, the 1998 Roland Emmerich one aside. <laughs> uh, I love the campiness. I love the insane miniature sets. I love the fun of the guy just in the rubber suit running around, smashing stuff and breaking it. It's hilarious. Um, 
like I said, this is, if you've seen Godzilla Final Wars, this is very similar in that and also in Godzilla Final Wars, an alien race shows up who controls the monsters. It's different in this one and that one because in, in Destroy All Monsters, it's just like the aliens mentioned that they want a chunk of the Earth to call their own. And had they gone about it in a different way, they might have even gotten a chunk of the Earth. Because, like, you know, if you're an alien refugee species and it seemed like there's only, like, ten of you... Uh, and you were like, hey, we just want, like, a small chunk of the Earth, and maybe we'll share technology with you guys, and yada yada. Like, that probably would have been cool, instead of just showing up and sicking giant kaiju monsters on everybody. Not cool. Not cool at all. And in uh, uh, Godzilla Final Wars, the aliens show up, and initially they pitch themselves as um, friendly aliens, and then we find out that they are dastardly, and have other designs for us in plan. Um... I did like that we got so many of the kaiju monsters in this one because a lot of the Godzilla formula is like we'll see Godzilla and like maybe one or two other ones as they go over Monster Island or whatever. And then the, the villain of the movie, whoever it is, like Biollante or Space Godzilla or whatever, will show up. And that'll be the primary focus of the movie is Godzilla fighting that particular monster. Um, and that was fun in, in this movie and in Final Wars is to see so many of the kaiju on screen together or just on screen period. Um, it definitely uh, scratched my itch for, I needed a fun movie because I've been watching a lot of like very serious uh, themed stuff and like, not like downer movies, but like there's only so much drama you can take in a while. You need, you need a, a fun breakup, a fun movie to break up all that kind of serious tension. I just watched like the alienist. Uh, which was a fantastic series. I might even do that for the show, um, the pilot or so. Um, but yeah, you, you can't go wrong with a Godzilla a movie just for just for sheer popcorn fun and rampaging around. Uh, my next episode, I will have another guest with me, so you guys will be able to hear someone besides me just monologue on and on about how much I liked or didn't like uh, my next film. Uh, so I look very much forward to that. Uh, I've got a couple other dates uh, with guests in mind, so hopefully my scheduling can can all work out, because being back to work after three months off for corona kind of impedes my ability to easily schedule people. Um, but thank you guys for listening. As always, we are available here on the Direct Links and Pinecast, our Facebook page, Dinner and a Show. We are on Apple uh, Podcasts and Spotify, and I just got an email that apparently Amazon and Audible are going to have their own podcast thing, so I'll have to see about maybe getting myself on that. Uh, but thank you very much. Uh, spread the word, and I will see you guys for another episode soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>